Hello and welcome to the sequel to a PhD podcast. I'm Shirley Marquant, your host, and I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. So today I'm really excited to talk with my friend, Dr. Christine Averill, who is a former plant and crop sciences scientist. Christine received her PhD in ecology from Penn State and worked for a number of years as a researcher and instructor at Cornell. A few years ago, she left her position at Cornell to pursue her interest in yoga and somatic mindfulness and related things. And she's now developed a coaching practice around this. And so I'm excited to hear more about it and share her story because I think it's such a great example of following what feels right to us now versus the path of expectations. So Christine, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Hello. And yes, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be on the show. So thanks for having me. It's it's wonderful yeah. to know you and and your journey so that, yeah, I don't feel quite so alone and straying from the academic path. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. So I'd love it if you could just start by telling us just a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah. The briefest story is that I was an ecologist for 15 years, and that included a year as a research technician, a master's degree, and a PhD. And the sequel is being a somatic mindfulness coach and focusing on movement in the body and healing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So how did you, just backing up to like some of your academic experience, how did you become interested in like plant and crop sciences initially? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up on an apple farm in Connecticut and that really primed me for an interest in land stewardship and care for the environment. My family is very earthy, crunchy. Um, so I was wired to have this, this interest in the environment. And I was good at math and science and writing and college professors asked me, have you considered going into research and doing your own experiments? Cause I was in a lot of labs as an undergrad employee. And so it seemed like that was the direction to go. And it wasn't a deliberate choice. It was more more or less, oh, I should go in that direction because these professionals are saying I'm good at it. And I didn't have another plan. I mm -hmm. wasn't good at thinking long-term. I sort of was going one step at a time. And, and so I stayed in academia mm -hmm. after finishing my bachelor's degree. And then I kept staying and staying. And I thought, well, maybe there's something else out there for me, but uh, I don't know what that is right now. So I'll stay in academia. Mm -hmm. but it turns out there is something else for mm -hmm. me. And besides academia, I had no idea it would take 15 years though to figure it all out. Yeah. So at what point did you start that feeling of like, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't what I want? It was my very first year as a research technician, which was actually one of my favorite years. I was a little bit removed from academia. I, I stopped working at five, in other words, and I had a very robust outside of work life. And so that, that was a good year, but it was also a year when I was thinking, oh, I don't know what I want to do next, but this is really good for right now. And yeah, I, I questioned whether academia was the right path for me, but my supervisor got me right in on these projects that were longer term. And mm. 
I was kind of the lead on these projects that turned into my master's. So that first year as a technician turned out to be the year when I got the first uh, field season in in my master's program. Mm-hmm. I feel like you bring up just such a good point of how a lot of our work in academia are these really long-term projects and it's really hard to like feel like you're going to abandon those, right? Is that what you experienced? Yeah, I I was invested in it from that yeah. first year. There was a lot of trial and error. I put in a lot of work into thinking, okay, how can we measure these um these variables in the field and I I definitely was invested at that point. There was again a lot of encouragement from people in academia like, "Hey, you're really good at this. You should mm-hmm. keep doing it." And yeah. I was naive and impressionable and that felt really good. I felt like, "Okay, I'm mm-hmm. in the right place," even though I had deep internal questioning mm-hmm. as to whether it was actually the right fit. So at what point like in after our, all of these years of being in that um, setting, at what point were you like, enough, <laughs> that's enough, I'm going to move away from this? Well, a lot happened in all of those, in all of those years, you know, with each degree, there's a different flavor to it. And there's just a different experience. So I had kids in that time frame, And mm-hmm. I kept thinking, oh, well, maybe after I have kids, once I have my degree, Once the kids are in preschool, there were a lot of stages where I thought, okay, well, maybe if I just give it a little more of a chance, it'll, Mm -hmm. it'll work out. So that lasted and lasted, you know, a really long time until it was 2020. And I just, that was when I decided this is not what I want to be doing anymore. And it was before the pandemic when I had started making some steps towards leaving, Mm -hmm. talking with my supervisor. And also I had signed up for a yoga teacher training that did start in 2020. And so I was already on this path of wanting to think more broadly. Okay. What, what is it that I will feel really fulfilled doing and um, just have a lot of certainty in, in terms of long-term career and those helped. So those helped a lot. Also getting, hiring a stillness coach. So all those, all those things really propelled me towards saying, I'm, I'm done. It's kind of served its purpose as much as it could for me. And it's also a chapter that I'm ready to close. So by the end of 2020, I was wrapping things up in academia. I wanted Mm -hmm. to finish out that year in part because I was committed to teaching for three years. And that was my third year. And I was also pretty excited to teach during the pandemic to teach virtually, just felt like I could really bring something to the to the students in that realm. And I did, I really appreciated being there for them. It was a very hard semester for a lot of people. And yeah. I, I think that's maybe where the coaching sort of started for me. Like, yeah being a mentor and, and teacher for college students. Yeah. It sounds like that's, that was an important piece for you in terms of your experience in academia. I guess I'm curious about more about what, um, what you've been doing in developing your coaching business and what your experience was like in moving away from academia and into all of the coaching stuff you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. I'm 
finally really excited about what I'm doing. And I had moments of that in academia, for sure. I really liked putting together PowerPoint presentations once all of the data was collected and it was time to, to share the results. And so that sort of communication and design has transferred uh, as far as those skills are useful mm -hmm. in building a business, building a website and sort of designing materials to communicate, okay, what, what can I offer? And it turns out what really worked for me as far as becoming clear in leaving academia was nervous system regulation and somatic mindfulness. So these are the tools that I feel really passionate right now about sharing with others. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, it just in terms of like moving from that like academic background or academic setting to developing your own business, what like what did you have to learn to, to start your own business or to, to move in this direction? It took a lot of confidence that I can be seen. And in academia, there's a lot of pressure not to be seen as an individual and instead to present data objectively. And mm -hmm. in reality, that's not really possible. Like we're always tying our past experiences and um, conditioning to how we interpret data. But as much as possible, that's not what we want to be doing in academia. So in entrepreneurship, it's a completely different ballgame. Like yeah. you really are trying to brand yourself and come up with really clear marketing messages. Like how can how can I benefit you? And would you like to come on this journey with me? It's it's a very different experience. And I'm, ex I'm excited to make the shift in mindset. Mostly it's a mindset shift for me at this point. And it's, it's ongoing because after so long in academia, there, there are very hardwired sort of mentalities around it should be this way and it shouldn't be this way. And yeah. if you don't follow the rules, you're, you're messing it up and you're going to lose credibility or you're not going to have the impact that you want or get the funding that you want most mm -hmm. importantly it's so it's an interesting transition and I remain curious about it and mm -hmm. um, and really excited to let go of what's not serving me anymore so from what you were just saying what I heard I think were a couple of different things that were really interesting to me one was the um like you almost have to and I see this a lot too, that you have to sort of give yourself permission. There's a permission piece there of like, I'm not going to do what everyone else is telling me that I should be doing that all of those shoulds that are coming. Those are, we have to give ourselves permission to say, I'm not going to do that thing. Right. Um, and then I loved how you said, use the words, stay curious about it. And that seems like a really critical element in my mind of like that curiosity, that experimenting of seeing what feels right now. I don't know. What's your, <laughs> do you have any reflections on that? Yeah. Well, first to your point of shooting on myself and uh -huh. I feel like I was an expert shutter after yeah. a lot of wiring and conditioning to follow the advice of others. Um, so just on that note, I, followed the advice early on to stay in academia 
because if I didn't, then I might not come back. And mm-hmm. that was maybe advice I wouldn't, wouldn't have taken if I wasn't mm-hmm. so, um, so used to just listening to others and valuing others opinions and advice over following my own internal guidance system. So you asked another question. It was we're following what others yeah. thought. And staying curious. I, I'm also like you mentioned, you use the word stay curious. And I really love that as conceptually around staying curious and experimenting, like we're allowed to experiment. And so I'm just curious what that has meant to you in terms of your experience. In- Absolutely. Yeah. It has been such a key part of leaving academia because I didn't have a plan. When I mm-hmm. left academia, it wasn't because I was going for a different job and I had this clear outline of my trajectory. I really left thinking, okay, well, it hasn't worked to stay in academia and think mm-hmm. of my next path. Maybe I really need to give myself the freedom and the time to explore what's next. So from that very first month out of academia, I've been staying super curious, like, what is the next step for me? I I don't know. And really leaning into that, I don't know, mindset at first, trying to be comfortable with it, which was very hard, very, very hard. And it took a lot of coaching help and yoga and meditation and I continue those practices. And yet at first it was, it was really uncomfortable to make that shift into staying curious and not needing to know like what's coming next. Like where's income going to come from? Mm -hmm. What am I going to be doing? How can I help people? Mm -hmm. And so it really took a full two years, two years plus really uh, make, make progress towards this coaching. So I went through iterations of gardening for for people on the side mm-hmm. um just private gardening and teaching yoga so i did a few different things i sort of started that gardening business and started a small yoga business on the side so i was kind of going in the entrepreneurship direction from the beginning but i mm-hmm. i thought those were sort of side gigs and maybe they were they served their purpose definitely gardening gave me a lot of time just to think and um, meditate, or rather time not to think and just really um, let go of, of that pressure that comes with being in academia and needing to perform and being in front of the screen. Yeah, I love that so much because you're highlighting how like we're so conditioned to have our plan all laid out and we follow these steps and like even in getting our degree it's like okay you have to do this you have to do your I don't even remember what they're called anymore the prelim exams or whatever like there's just so many steps and you're supposed to have that all planned out and what you're talking about is just like releasing ourselves from that and saying well let me see what I'm interested in right now and either that turns into something or it doesn't turn into something, but it still helps guide us, I think, in terms of understanding what we want from what we're doing. So I really love that. Yeah, I think it it really was important for me to take all that time. And I also recognize being very privileged to take the time. Not many people can, can do that. And in my personal situation, it 
it was manageable. It wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. And I definitely had a lot of stress and put a lot of pressure on myself thinking I need to figure out the next step as much as I was trying to lean into that. I don't know mindset. That's what I was coming up against that I should know. And exactly like what you're saying, so many people are expected to know their five-year plan, their Mm 10-year plan. And they're asked that in high school before they even are in secondary education, they're being asked, okay, what are you going to do? I mean, kids are asked that all the time. You know, what do you want to do when you grow yeah. up? Um, and in my case, I, I didn't know. And I yeah. didn't know until, you know, pretty recently after going through that long trajectory of, I wouldn't want to, I don't necessarily mean it was a detour, but it wasn't what I knew. Mm. Oh, this is what I want to be doing. And I yeah. definitely saw colleagues and other grad students throughout the way who were just so passionate about it. And I really admired that. Like, wow, I want to feel that excited about something. Mm. I was open to a lot of things. Maybe I could be a gardener. Maybe I could, you know, yeah. just teach that. But interesting how things evolve. And yeah. staying curious is totally a key yeah. to that. Oh man, I think I feel like that's just so important. The stay curious and the recognizing that like we don't have to stay somewhere if we don't have that passion. We can say, okay, well, let me experiment and see what does get me closer to that. Right. I love that. Yeah. Well, you just uh, made me think that one of the impetuses for, for shifting gears away from academia was doing something that I love and just being really Mm -hmm. passionate about it in -hmm. order to show my kids, like that's what they can do and to give them permission to follow their their desires. If that means switching gears in the middle of, or the beginning or end, wherever they are in their journey of, uh, you know, a a big commitment. And sort of what I felt like academia was, like I was committed to it Mm -hmm. and should stay in in it because I had put in all those years of it, of the grind going Mm -hmm. through school and that it was it was hard it was really challenging and even for people who want to be in it very passionately it can be hard to be sort of unsure about it is just an extra layer of of stress I think yeah so anyways just giving others including my kids but anybody like permission to follow exactly what they want to do and I think the pandemic brought that to light for a lot of people so maybe it's not a coincidence that that was my last year mm-hmm. in academia. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people started questioning, what is the point of my life? And if life is short, we don't know how long anything is going to last. So let's, let's make these months and years really count. Yeah, yeah, such an important point. Um, So what do you love about doing the coaching now, or the yoga or any of any of what you've been working on? I love that I get to meditate a lot. And that's really part of my job. Like I want to stay grounded and regulated in myself Mm -hmm. so that I can really offer authentically to others. Those, the practices that help me, I've always been a seeker and I sort of hid that slightly spiritual side of myself from Mm -hmm. most people. And yet now I get to seek every day for myself and help others on their journeys. And I think a a lot of people really want freedom from suffering. 
And I certainly did. And I, I feel like I finally got there through a lot of hard inner work, letting go of layers and layers and layers of conditioning that just no longer served, served me. And now I, I get to offer that to others. And it's super rewarding. And it's exactly what I want to be doing, like just healing inner wounds, whether that means going back to old traumas with a big T or a little T and, and facing them, allowing them to kind of speak their piece like okay I'm kind of holding on to these things unnecessarily and it's through no fault of our own that they're kind of stuck in our body so that's where the somatic mindfulness and somatic inquiry come in Mm -hmm. into play in my work the issues are in the tissues like that (laughs) there are a lot of cute little phrases like that or we need to feel it to heal it and they're kind of silly maybe, but they really tell what's going on and they've been true for me. So I'm happy to be offering this to others. Yeah. Um, so one question, I'm curious about what you might think, like if there are other people who want to do something similar or even just pursue something that interests them, that's just way outside of what they've been doing, what kind of, what kind of advice would you give to people yeah I think I would encourage curiosity we really don't know until we know and there's no problem with not knowing and that's something that right there could take hours and hours of inner work to really unravel because we are so conditioned to feel like we have to know and so to pursue something new does take a lot of energy in a way um and it's it's not that focused, like I need to figure it out kind of energy. I think it's more energy of kind of relaxing the nervous system enough to be clear and to allow sort of the inner messages to come to the top, to rise to the top, to let the body guide us. Mm-hmm. And and that can be a really big challenge in in our culture in general, American culture in general maybe in the whole world to a degree, but especially in academia. I think it's really, uh, it's really difficult, difficult to let go of those, those shields or guards that we often have up, or at least I did. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like this is something that you offer through your coaching. So if people wanted to work with you, how would they work with you or where can they find you? Yeah, I would love anybody who's interested to visit my website, christineaverill.com. Mm-hmm. And I have a free training on there right now to regulate the nervous system in like five minutes. Sometimes these really powerful practices just are so simple. We just need to do them. And so I encourage people to to try that out, to try this free practice and anybody who's listening. And I recently developed a new program called Regulate Your Nervous System for Freedom and Purpose, mm-hmm. your roadmap to having the impact you want while doing what you love. love and that. I'm really excited to share that with others. So if somebody wants to join me for hour, one hour sessions, you know, this program will last 
uh, about four months is my expectation for most people. And there's flexibility there too. Everybody's journey is, is different and mm-hmm. unique. And so they can find that on your website probably. So that's also on my website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So this has been really, really interesting. Is there anything you think that um, we haven't talked about that is important to discuss here? Maybe just thinking that, so while I don't regret any of my path into, through, and out of academia, I think if I had known the practices and nervous system regulation tools that I know now, Mm. I probably would have left academia a lot sooner. Mm. Because from the very first year, I was questioning it. And so I can look back and see, oh, wow, I knew somewhere in my body that this wasn't the right path for me. And I was too scared or uncertain to explore anything else. And I don't think that would have been a bad thing. Yet my path was my path. And it definitely got me to where I am now. And I'm happy to be here. Yeah. But that advice to stay in academia, because you don't, you're probably not going to come back. I, I, I don't know. I think that might have actually been true for me. And I don't think mm-hmm. that um, that's a bad thing to just be really sure you want to be in academia by taking a break or just becoming super clear that, oh, this is the program I want to enter. Yeah. I think, I feel like what you're saying is, is at its core, it's trust yourself. Like if you have these elements of, I guess, questioning is to just trust that maybe other people don't have the answers for what's right for you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Trust yourself, trust your intuition. And I would argue that nobody knows the path for you. You're the only one that, that can, can know what's right and what's right for you right now might change. So we we get to have that permission to check in again and again, is this what I want to be doing? Is this what I want to be doing and how I want to be doing it? Yeah. Oh, that's so important. I love that. Um, So this has been really, really great. Thank you so much for sharing all of your story with us and what you're working on. I think people can so, so benefit from what you're offering. So definitely, definitely listeners go check out her website. Um, I really love how like you just shared a lot of what's goes through everyone's mind or people's mind when we're questioning that experience of like, I guess the conditioning and the interacting with that conditioning. So it's just so important. So yeah, thank you again, Christine, for coming on the podcast and talking to us. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to hear more about how your coaching business grows and all the great stuff you're offering and how people will benefit from it because I'm certain about that. Um, For listeners, I'll put her information on the show notes so that you can check it out. And then thank you everyone for listening. And thank you again, Christine. Thank you, Shirley. It was really good to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would really love it if you could rate or review it wherever you get your podcasts or share the episode with a friend. Thanks again. Till next time.